going over all of this chip fab news makes me think about all of the earnings calls and financials that we've gone over in the past few months. We can obviously see that the chip fab equipment space is in a bit of a slump. So what does all of this news mean? Perhaps for newer viewers that have that have arrived here in the last month, we can we can maybe introduce this bit this way. All of the news that we just reviewed in the previous segment was specifically about the actual chip fabs themselves. That would be companies that actually manufacture chips. Your Intel's, your Samsung's, your Taiwan Semiconductor or TSMC's, Global Foundries, Texas Instruments, On Semi, ST Micro. I mean, the list goes on and on here. Lots of new factories and up factory update projects are getting greenlit. But all of these companies, regardless of who they are, have to go buy the equipment needed to manufacture these chips from a very select few number of companies. So link here in this segment to the Chip Manufacturing Equipment Index that we recently released. Sign up for that so you can see who these companies are. We have a complete list running of this oligopoly, this uh, little corner of the semiconductor industry that is a total oligopoly and really kind of completely controls the cadence of chip design and chip, therefore chip manufacturing capabilities. So Casey, like you said, that's who you're referring to when you're talking about these earnings calls. Uh, we hear all of these new projects being signed for new fabs or fab expansions or fab updates. And yet we're in a slump for chip and wafer fab equipment. You can see the ever increasing wafer fab equipment sales. 2022 wafer fab equipment sales peaked at about $100 billion. And the, the overall chip equipment peaked at about $120 billion. Right. Uh, and now you can see the estimate from semi.org for 2023. You can see the big slump from the previous peak last year. Uh, we're looking at some segments of this industry falling as much as 20% year over year. It's ugly looking out there. A lot of these companies, Applied Materials, Tokyo Electron, LAM Research, have limited visibility on what their revenue will actually be in this current year. And so overall, uh, the end result is somewhere in the ballpark of 10% to 20% decline in sales for many of these companies. And as a result, probably an even steeper drop in earnings. Now, uh, this is kind of the backdrop, though, because as we just rattled off all of this news on new fab startups, semi.org comes out with this latest report on billings, future bookings of equipment that these fabs expect to need beyond 2023. In the previous video, I misspoke when I mentioned deferred revenue. Deferred revenue is revenue that has actually been collected, but it goes as a liability on the balance sheet because it's a service or a product that has not yet been delivered. But what we're talking about here is now billings. So this is a future commitment from a fab to spend on equipment 
but they haven't spent the money yet. Casey, walk us through what we're looking at here on this new semi.org chart. So we're looking at the biggest spenders by country worldwide. Taiwan, of course, being the number one, 6.93 billion, which is a 42% year-over-year increase. The total billings, nearly $27 billion with a 9% year-over-year increase, despite the fact that we're currently in a bit of a slump in this specific part of the semiconductor market. This is sort of maybe just a bit of confirmation on what we thought we've known up until this point, that... There is a coming boom in chip fab equipment spent. 2023, the current slump that we're in and actual recognized revenue could be very, very brief. Previous all-time record, uh, upwards of $120 billion spent on chip fab equipment last year. Of that total, almost $100 billion in wafer fab equipment. We will probably sail right through those numbers as early as 2024, possibly 2025, total wafer fab equipment, some estimates pointing to reaching actually 120 billion all on its own by 2025, 2026. And then overall chip fab equipment spend being well north of that. Thanks to these these billings numbers here that semi.org showed, big commitments being made by the actual chip fabs, by your Intels, your TSMCs, and your Samsungs so that they get their hands on the equipment they need to fill up those new fabs and refurbish those existing fabs in the coming years. As we have said in the past in our videos, we truly believe that a bull market is coming in this, the semiconductor equipment manufacturing space. If you're wondering what companies that we like in this space, we have a lot of videos for you to check out. There is a specific semiconductor manufacturing equipment playlist that goes into all of these companies that we have been following. But just to name a few specific companies that we really, really like, ASML, Applied Materials, KLA Core. And today we're gonna to talk about a few more later on, which one we find the most interesting as far as a small cap. Let's move on to one more newsy, buzzy type item of one of our favorite billionaires. We talked about Bill Gates just a little bit ago, but now we're talking about yet another billionaire, Elon Musk and his tour of Europe. He first met in Italy and then in France, and it seems like one thing keeps coming up, and that's low birth rates. And this is something that you wouldn't think that he would care about, but he has a very good point because a shrinking population is not good for economies because that aging population needs to be supported by less workers. So obviously it's not good for manufacturing and industrial situations. It's not good for selling products. That leads me to ask you, Nick, how can AI help this situation? And Casey, that's why we plugged this buzzy media headline here where we did after we talked about manufacturing because that's i think ultimately that's probably what musk is doing when he's making this grand tour of europe europe having one of the lowest birth rates in the world shrinking population in some of these countries and these are highly industrialized countries where manufacturing is very important ai can help in a lot of ways here. All of these companies that we've been talking about, these chip fab equipment companies, these are highly automated pieces of machinery. 
AI is the current word of the moment, but it's been around for a very long time. And basically, whenever you hear AI, you should just automatically think automation. You're a company like Tesla, and you're trying to figure out a way to very efficiently manufacture vehicles, trying to figure out very efficient ways to automate the manufacture of batteries, high-end ships for your cars. You want to take a tour of these countries and see what kind of infrastructure do they currently have and could they potentially have in the future to help. In addition to AI that's probably going on, automating of processes is more efficient use of energy and really resources overall. Uh, this is This is key here. Uh, Europe is a top location for not just R&D into battery technology, but processing of things like lithium to make lithium ion batteries and a place where these things are assembled. So probably another thing that's being talked about behind the scenes here is striking some supply agreements here for processed lithium and then eventual assembly of these batteries. I thought we should share maybe a brief update on lithium prices because the last time we talked about Albemarle, one of the largest players in actual raw lithium supply and an emerging player in lithium processing or refining, they were getting beat up a bit by lithium prices. But it looks like when we talked about Albemarle a couple of months ago, uh, we were pretty close to actually what appears to be a near-term bottom in the lithium carbonate and lithium hydroxide market. We have a little chart here that Trading Economics keeps on actual lithium carbonate prices. And then also spodumene, which is the hard rock, a lot of that coming out of Western Australia where Albemarle has a very large presence and somewhere where they're investing heavily into. It looks like spodumene has actually started to come down in price pretty aggressively as of late perhaps we're nearing a bottom for that as well. Year-to-date stock performance for Albemarle and the company we did a comp on with Albemarle, Sociedad Química y Minera, SQM, a little bit less pronounced rebound in that stock owing to its almost, almost pure play on Chile, which is undergoing some geopolitical risk here as they might nationalize the lithium industry there. We still like Albemarle at this point. The The stock's still trading for like seven, eight times expected 2023 earnings. Uh, if you think lithium is going to be a key ingredient in the electrification of everything over the next five to 10 years, this looks like a very, very attractive price at this point. The lithium pricing tanking, Albemarle still has a lot of solid growth you can see just how much they've grown in the past several years from 2022 to 2023 their expected net sales growing to between 9.8 and 11.5 billion margins increasing and as you mentioned their conversion capacity is also something that they are definitely pouring money into they already have a lot of this infrastructure built out. And so at this point for Albemarle, e even though lithium prices are down big from their absolute high, their absolute peak last year, they have multiple sources in play. Again, the hard rock uh, concentrate from places in like Western Australia, 
and then also uh, brine. That's where they're going to get a lot of that lithium hydroxide and carbonate. Building out their conversion plants now to basically refine this lithium into a purer, higher grade quality base material for companies like uh, a Tesla, for example, to obtain when assembling their batteries. Some more of this long-term outlook that they have. Again, this is this is basically holding lithium pricing stable, which is not going to happen. This is a base material mining business, so it's going to be highly volatile because of the base material pricing. But still, you can see the volume expected to ramp up through 2025 over the next two to three years, and then further out through 2030, the end of this decade, huge volume increases just solely based off of Albemarle's pipeline that they have uh, developing new sites and increasing capacity at existing ones, and then some long-term commitments that they tend to strike with their manufacturing partners. If you're looking for a company to bet on this electrification of everything, we think Albemarle is going to be a wild stock to own, but we personally like the long-term valuation on the stock at the moment. Another company we like in this space, of course, is On Semiconductor, which is heavily indexed into the automotive and industrial market. It's all about energy efficiency and equipment manufacturers are really putting a lot of money into this. One example of this is On Semi received 250 million from Germany's Vitesco. Now, Vitesco is planning on getting $1.9 billion in silicon carbide chips over the next decade. And so to secure that, they paid on semi $250 million today. Yeah, Casey, this is a really intriguing development to keep an eye on here, not just for on semi, but the whole chip fab space. So remember earlier, we talked about Global Foundries striking that long-term agreement with Lockheed Martin. Earlier this year, they struck a similar long-term agreement with GM. That's basically what's happening here for OnSemi. So they're striking these long-term agreements with their customers that want chips. They don't want to get hit with a chip shortage like they did in 2020 and 2021. And so they're actually willing now to come to the, the bargaining table with cash in hand and say, hey... We understand that to secure all the chips we think we need over the next five to 10 years, you're going to have to spend a lot of money on chip fab equipment to help you and to make sure we get our hands on those chips. Here's cash to go out and buy that chip fab equipment. So that's what Germany's Vitesco did. They make automotive parts, basically. This particular collaboration, it looks like is going to be for silicon carbide chips and a collaboration to improve Vitesco's traction inverter system for electric vehicles. This is a fantastic for a company like OnSemi. This is really a break with historic norms in which chip fabs were really kind of left holding the bag whenever the economy went south or were the, there were these periods of softness and demand. Suddenly, a company like OnSemi has not just a fantastic pipeline of future growth, uh, but they're actually getting solid commitments from their customers and cash to help fund the expansion of the fab. Uh, we absolutely love 
the unit economics for a company like OnSemi right now and, and all that this opens up for them. The stock trading at a bit of a premium for a, a chip fab, it's 30 times trailing 12-month free cash flow, but on a price-to-earnings basis, about 22 times trailing 12-month earnings, about 18, 19, one-year forward expected earnings. So on semi, of course, having to kick in their own cash as well to, to build out these fabs and acquire equipment. But we like what this means for the long-term getting some money from Vitesco for this. The stock may be at a bit of a premium, but we still like it long-term. So there you have it. If you're interested in investing in the electrification of basically everything, those are two stocks that we like, Albemarle and On Semi. Let's bring this full circle here. The crux of the matter is the world needs more infrastructure at this time. Yeah, there's been an absolute tectonic shift that took place during the bear market of 2022. We're starting to emerge from that bear market and we thought all along that semiconductors, chips would be kind of like the base level industry to invest in this need for more infrastructure, more industrial equipment, automation to help deal with things like labor shortages, uh, needs infrastructure, and there's just limited resources out there, asset shortages, as well as labor shortages. So we really like this chip fab equipment space because no matter who you are, Intel, TSMC, Samsung, Texas Instruments, whatever, you're, you have to go buy this equipment from the same companies. If you're Intel, you can't tell an applied materials, no thanks, you supply me, my competitor. You have to buy you the equipment from an applied materials the same as your competitor does. So it's an oligopoly, it's a critical choke point in the chip industry. And so we think these companies that oftentimes specialize in particular pieces of equipment, or maybe have highly differentiated solutions from one company to the next, they can basically all coexist in the same large fab operated by an Intel or a TSMC. It seems like this may introduce a risk, however. As more of these fabrication facilities are produced, as all of these governments continue to fund these chip fabricators, could we possibly look at getting overbuilt? Like, will there ever be too many chip fabricators? Casey, we have not talked about this in a long time, but I think as we start talking about this stuff and the media really kind of catching on to the hype, it's a good time to maybe just remind ourselves of this, that yes, there could be a point where manufacturing capacity gets overbuilt in the next maybe five years to 10 years. This is a risk that, that ASML actually called out last November at their last investor day. Sometime in the next decade, there could be overcapacity, too many new manufacturing lines and not enough chips to manufacture. It would probably be a temporary situation, but it's most definitely a risk that could lead to a pretty sizable downturn for the chip industry. Maybe just to further illustrate this point, semi.org said, there's going to be something like $500 billion invested in chip fabs alone by 2024. Dozens of new projects got greenlit in 2022 and 2023. So be mindful of this as an investor. These businesses do not scale like the software businesses we got used to investing in in the 2010s and early on in the pandemic in the early 2020s. 
this is starting to feel slightly reminiscent to me of the the lost decade of investing that we had following the dot-com bubble. We had like a herd of investment that got dumped into infrastructure like oil, oil and energy projects, housing, uh, all of the like, fake banking and ridiculous financial uh, instruments to prop all of this stuff up. Just kind of bear that in mind. Hard asset investing does not scale the same way software does. So when you pick investments in the space, focus on companies that are doing so prudently. They're using their financial resources prudently. Those will pay off the best, we think, in the next five to 10 years and will be in the best shape to survive another potential bear market. We worry this could be a very, very short bull market, not one that lasts more than a decade, like in the 2010s, maybe a bull market that lasts five to 10 years. So just bear that in mind. We already see signs of emerging risk for this coming bull market. 